Welcome to Foster Carolinas, connecting the Carolinas to voices of foster care. It's newsflash time with your bestie gals, Madison and Abby. Madison, good afternoon. Abilene, how is it going? Good. I like um, I like the Mick nickname. Yes. East. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Mick. Hope you're Nicholas, listening. I love you. <laughs> Hope you're listening. You should be. <laughs> if you're not, we'll know now. <laughs> yeah, you won't say anything. You won't come and fuss at us for shouting you out. Okay, well, hello, guys. I am happy to be here. It has been a very busy week. We are gearing up for so many things. Mm-hmm. Very exciting things. Yes. And here we go. We're just going to go right into it. We are. Ladies. First of all, actually, I know where I'm going to take this. Guys, mm. you really showed up. Amen. I'm so happy. Like crazy. We are basically fully furnished <laughs> with men and cabins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we do have like three other slots that mm. um, we could take like junior counselors. So people, just junior counselors, they don't really have to do much of anything other than be there. So mm-hmm. they can wrangle um, smaller cabins. Girls, girls, girl, where you at? Y'all came in so strong, Mm -hmm. and so maybe this was my, this is me, so me. I didn't tell you that we needed you because we were doing really good. We had Mm -hmm. a steady increase. The Mm -hmm. guys kind of dwindled off for a little bit. Right. The girls, we need you. We've Mm -hmm. had some um, mishaps, and we're not able to have as many girls. Mm. We have had a few not be able to make it, Mm -hmm. and so we're down some girl counselors, and we need more we have been punked and we need help (laughs) (laughs) oh that's so funny um we are in desperate need of women Mm -hmm. counselors actually we were a little bit more desperate now than we were with the guys so Mm -hmm. girls show up we need you Mm. um email me go to lotcarolinas.com find us find our signups and um just get in contact with us we would love to talk to you about if it's scary i understand that um just talk to us about it and we'll talk you through it and mm-hmm. tell you that you got it. For sure. You, it's it's so much fun. I mm-hmm. love being at camp. Um, mm-hmm. And you want to be there. You definitely do. Yeah. Madison, what do you have for us? Girl, so let me tell you. We, it really is the craziest time of the summer right now. You know what I'm saying? It's going crazy. So right before bridge camp. Yep. Which, listen, this is different. Usually it's after. This yeah. year we decided to do a little switcheroo on you. It's before Bridge Camp this year. Mm-hmm. We're doing our Shoes of Hope event mm-hmm. right now. This The name of it, it's tricky business because guess what? It's more than shoes. And what we actually do is a back-to-school event spectacular is more what that is. Um, we give each child in foster care that signs up a new pair of shoes. Brand new book bag. Miscellaneous. Miscellaneous. Mm-hmm. There's just things yeah. that you need for the well, school year. Some things we'll have. Underwear. Yeah. Socks. Oh, those are a guarantee. Yes. Socks and underwear guaranteed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if you get flip-flops, we're mm-hmm. going to give you some socks. Um, But here's the thing. We need book bags. And I'm not talking about the book bag that your daughter who's graduating high school used once in preschool. I'm talking about brand new, brand making new book bags. Mm-hmm. Um. We need them bad because we have a lot of kids that come to this event. It gets pretty crazy. And um, we need as many book bags as we can have. So 
Go to your local Walmart, okay. catch them on sale, grab us some, bring them by the office. We'll give you a hug. Yeah. Do they do they go on sale before? I guess it's after school starts that they go on sale. Yeah. Which is, on, which is kind of I mean, lame. I'm sure they'll be selling them mm-hmm. now. That's not what I mean by on sale, but like cheap. They're probably cheaper right now than they will okay. be yeah. later. Okay. That, that could be sense. a lie just to get you in the store. So <laughs> go to the store to find out. We don't. <laughs> We've been out of school for a while. We haven't. Elementary Girl, I'm in school. school. I'm like, in school, but on the computer. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't carry a book bag around? What? No, girl. No, girl. In my mind. Oh, good, mm-hmm. good, good, good. So bring your book bags, new book bags. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we're going to get back to work. Yeah, we are. <laughs> the grind never stops. No, never. I hope that you enjoyed so much listening to Morgan's story. Mm-hmm. Love her. Here's part two. Mm-hmm. Um, She's fantastic. She is so sweet so and cute. so good at telling mm-hmm. her story. She tells her story so well. Mm-hmm. So, here's installment two of Morgan's story. All right. Well, welcome back to the podcast. And Morgan, I'm so excited to hear the rest of your story. Well, I don't know if excited is the word. <laughs> um, I, it's it's a terrible story, but um, I'm glad that you are brave enough to tell it. Um, so, I think where we left off was you came into care at three years old. You were kind of in and out of care. You have a stepmom that has cameras on you, makes you sit on your bed, won't let you move. Um, and I think w- what you had just told us was every time the social worker would come was your favorite time because you knew that you were going to get to watch TV. Your stepmom was like, here's a reset button, and we're going to start being the Beaver family basically, right? Yes. So Beaver family, I think it's Cleaver family, but whatever. Um, anyway, um, so you kind of liked that because you were like, okay. And you kind of believed it too. You thought it's going to change. And then the social worker would leave and it all went back to the way it was before. So, okay. So at what point do they, what happens that you're removed again? Um, honestly, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of how old, cause I know, I don't remember what exactly ages I was, but okay. So I think I was nine when I got back with them and then I'm pretty sure that I stayed in there for uh, nine, t- maybe like two years after like Like I was in that home for two years and it just continually got worse. Who do you think is, is reporting the abuse? Um, I know it was my school counselor and pretty sure my great grandma did a few times, but other than that, I'm not. I'm not really sure. How did they know? Do you think it was because how you came to school or did your grandma see what was happening? I'm not really sure about my great grandma, but as far far as like my school social worker, like my sister was a lot more open to tell her the things rather than me because I was deathly afraid of it getting back to them. And, um, so they, um, I would go into the counselor's office and like they could just tell like I wasn't wearing like good clothes. I was wearing like dirty old rags, um, like not actual rags, but like just raggedy clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, I stunk because they wouldn't allow me to take a bath or a shower. 
and um my hair was cut like super super short as one of the forms of punishment and that's actually why I grow up my hair so long now is because I don't really like the the thought of it being short Mm. because it was above my ear type thing like a bowl cut Mm. it just wasn't very pleasant (laughs) Um, but they could just see and then just the way I would act like I would steal food I would lie all the time. I would cower if anyone like like raised their hand to like give me a high five or anything like that. And then my sister would tell them just like some of the things, I guess. Mm-hmm. So they would get DSS involved. And did y'all suffer consequences? Yes. Um, that was like one of the biggest forms of abuse. Um, so we were made to sit on our beds like the whole entire day without getting up to go to the restroom or anything. And if I even moved an inch or anything, she'd come in there and whip me or make me do like military punishments. And like, she'd make me hold out my arms, like airplane style. Mm -hmm. I don't really know how to explain that. Um, just like side by side, like just hold them up. Yes. And so she'd make me do that for two hours. And if you like, I encourage you all just to like hold out your arms like side by side, like air, like you're making airplane motions and just do that for like maybe two minutes and you'll feel your arms start to get really sore and you like already want to put them down. But she, she would sit there and watch me on the camera for two hours. And anytime I'd like, like, my arms would waver and like fall a little. She would add more time. And I remember this time where I was doing it and um, I felt really sick and I threw up everywhere. So automatically I put my arms down and I'm running to the restroom to, you know, (laughs) go throw up in the toilet. And I remember her yelling at me to keep my arms up as I am running to (laughs) the toilet. And um, another time I was doing that, like I, I could physically could not hold them up any longer. So I let them down only for a second. And I was like, oh, darn, I really hope she d- didn't see that. But she's seen it. And she told me, like, you only had three more minutes to go. But now that you did that, you have another hour added to you. And whether or not I really had three more minutes, it just crushed my soul. And it was just like punishments like that, that would be so like mentally exhausting and physically exhausting it was just like, dang, where's my break, man? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so you come back into care. Um, did you have a guardian ad litem yet? Um, or that you know of? Not that I know of. And I didn't have a guardian ad litem until I was 13, I think. So you so you come back into care. You think you, that you come back to a, a foster home around 11 or 12 is what you're thinking? Yes. Okay, so... At the time, I didn't know this was going to be the last time in foster care, but I got put in my seventh grade year, and I'm pretty sure I am, I think I am 11, about to turn 12. Mm -hmm. So I get put in foster care, and then I remember, I this is like the one time I do remember like it vividly, Mm -hmm. but um. So I was with this group called the Live Program, and we, I don't remember what we did, to be honest, but it was basically teaching us live skills and everything, and it mm-hmm. was a chance for me to get out the house. And then one day when it was just me, my sister, and the person over it, 
like I just broke down and I told her told her everything that was happening and I was like I really honestly cannot take this anymore like I really can't take this so the next day I go to school a bunch of social worker like a social worker pulls me out of class and then a bunch of my teachers and social workers and like a bunch of people I don't know are sitting at this long table and my sister's sitting there too and they're like hey you'll never have to go back there again. And it was like, at that moment, it was like a huge relief. And I was like, man. I bet you started crying. You were like, oh, thank God. I was like, like just hearing those words, it was like, is this really happening right now? And it was like, that was probably one of the best moments leading up to that. Saying you never have to go back there Mm -hmm. again. Oh my gosh. Um, So they're starting to listen to you. Yep. Finally. Um, and you don't ever have to go back there again. And so what, what, what foster home were you, you don't have to tell me which foster home, but like what kind of foster home were you put in after that? Well, first I was, um, they took me to their office and they put me in like a, me and my sister in a room together and they left for hours. They did, they came back sporadically to check on us, but they didn't tell us what was happening, what our next plan was or anything. So I was just kind of scared then, but honestly, I was mostly just grateful I wouldn't have to go back there, but I was still nervous. Like I didn't know where I was going or what my next meal would be because I was still on that survival mode. Oh yeah. So then I went to a group home because they couldn't find any other placement mm-hmm. for, for me at that time, for me and my sister. So we went to the the group home and... I was there, I want to say about two or three weeks, and I went to school one day out of that. One day in one two day. or three weeks, mm-hmm. because it's a process to change schools, yes. and oh my goodness. Where's Shelby, your older sister? She has moved out by then. She moved out, I'm pretty sure when she was, like as soon as she graduated, she moved out. She was gone. And she tried to get custody of us, but she couldn't financially Mm-hmm. do that so oh that was nice that she tried to do that okay um so tell me about every so you've moved like three or four times now um tell me about the black trash bags okay so the very last time that we were taken into care um we didn't get to go back home to get any of our stuff so social workers went to our house and they just got what they could And honestly, it was a few pairs of underwear that was like hanging to dry because we weren't allowed to wash our clothes. So we were made to like wash it in the bathtub. So they were hanging out to dry. So they just grabbed that. But it really wasn't acceptable. So they threw all of those away. And um, they gave us a bag of like donations, I guess, and like let us pick from that. But then as I, like, was put through more foster homes, they would give us, like, a day in advance and be like, hey, you're moving, so here's a black tra- these black trash bags. Pack up all your stuff, leave the rest that you can't get, and let's go. I don't like black trash bags, Morgan. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you know, at, at least of these, we do bags of hope. And that's why we do that. Because we're hoping that if you do have to move again, then the social worker can say, hey, go get your black duffel bag and put all your stuff in it. 
um, so that you don't have to do the black trash bag thing. Um, what are some of the reasons? It sounds like you moved a lot. So what are some of the reasons that you moved? If I'm being completely honest with you, it was because of my sister. She had some behavioral issues. Mm -hmm. So it was like a group package, me and her. So no matter what, it was like, no matter if I liked the placement or not, if her behavioral issues were causing something, we would move to a different home, even though I was perfectly happy, like in some of the ones that we were, but it was like a package deal. So if somebody's listening that, not that they would, but if, if somebody in Raleigh's listening about the policies that they make about siblings having to stay together. And I mean, and I, I think you and I both understand the heart behind that, that yes, siblings should stay together, but would you, what would you say about siblings having to stay together at all cost? In in a lot of cases that like siblings staying together is the best interest in them, but I think it goes from case to case and it shouldn't be put on every foster kid that has a sibling because in my case, it wasn't the best thing. It, it caused me more harm than good because I love my sister and she's in a very good place, but with the trauma that she had been uh, dealing with, she dealt with it a lot differently than I did, which is okay but she didn't have the place where she could do that. So we got put in a therapeutic foster home. And that was really sad to me because there was a lot of restrictions that I didn't understand because I wasn't the one that really needed therapeutic, a therapeutic home. It was my sister. So it was just like, I would finally get used to one home and then we'd have to move to another. I can just imagine, but I, your, your sister probably did a, a good bit of protecting you. Yes. That you didn't even know about. And I would say that's probably, I mean, it's hard when you have to grow up and you're trying to, sorry, protect your little one, your little sister. Um, so not to be too hard on her because she was dealt the hand that she was mm -hmm. dealt. Um, but sometimes I do think that social services maybe needs to take a step back and say, what's in the best interest of all of the children um, do you think your sister would have been okay if y'all had been separated? Do you think that she would have been better off or? At the time, I think she did need me mm -hmm. because she needed someone that she knew and someone that was stable. And she just, she honestly just needed someone to take the time and just like help her through her trauma and everything. But like the foster parents weren't like told about like all this, like the, the things that we were dealing with or the things that we needed help with. So I uh, was struggling to find a voice and um, she did get better from that. But we went into our last placement and I was like, I really like it here. I really want to stay. And that's when I started advocating for my own voice. Mm. Well, um, I think we're going to cut off here and we are going to talk in the third episode about your final placement and how that worked out and how you started advocating. How old were you at this point? Uh, I want to say 15 or 16. So came into care at three years old, but at 15 or 16, you finally find your voice and start speaking out about what you want. So join us next time. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today for Foster Carolinas. Were you inspired by something you heard today? Well, we want to encourage you to make the next step, whatever that is. 
everyone can do something for children in foster care. If you're not sure where to start, go to our website at www.lotcarolinas.com and see what you can do. 